Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with Barrent. Hey Steve, great to be here. How you been? Good, how about yourself? I've been very good, thank you. Yeah, currently right now I'm in uh, North Carolina and we just had a ton of snowfall and that's a big deal in Raleigh where I live. Nothing like what you have to deal with up in Minnesota though. No, not even close. <laughs> My snowblower is out almost 24-7. Okay, not that bad. But yes, we do get a little bit more snow than you do, that's for sure. <laughs> a couple of years back there was a picture that went around the internet we called Snowmageddon where... I think we had three inches of snow, or at least it was forecast that way. And <laughs> <laughs> it's a hilarious picture because there are cars literally all over this highway, and there's a car, no joke, in the middle of the highway on fire. <laughs> what? So, yeah, I'll send you the picture sometime. And if you guys are interested in looking up, uh, just type in Raleigh, North Carolina, Snowmageddon. It's a pretty, or Snowpocalypse, I think is another name I've heard it by. And like the internet wound up taking this image and like photoshopping Star Wars ATAT walkers and stuff in the background because it's such a ridiculous scene. So. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'm totally going to check that out. Obviously, we have Snowmageddon about every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. But no, it's, it's we're all safe here, so it's good. Good. Yeah, sometimes my wife will say, oh, was it hard to get to work? I go, well, if you just drive like a Minnesotan, you'll be just fine. <laughs> yeah, with all this ice and snow, we might be sliding around the... The road's quite a bit, which ties into the game we're going to cover, Slide Quest. But first, I'd like to thank our Patreon supporters. We have EKBH, a co-op MVP, Brian Franklin, a co-op lover, and Daniel, also a co-op lover. Thanks, guys, and all the other Patreon supporters that help us out. Every little bit really goes a long ways in helping us keeping this content going. And with that, let's jump into our discussion on Slide Quest. Just a quick shout-out to Patrick from Slack for bringing this game to our attention. Yeah, I'm really glad he did, because after you messaged about it, I instantly went and picked it up, and I'm really glad I did. So what is Slide Quest? Slide Quest is a cooperative dexterity game. It's kind of based on the concept of Labyrinth. I don't know if you guys have encountered this before, but there are some fun, like, wooden games where you have a box with two knobs on it, and these knobs tilt this wooden plane with walls on it and holes, and you're trying to get this marble from one end of the maze to the other. That's what I'm familiar with, but this is taking that concept and applying it to a cooperative board game. The theme is you are playing as, collectively playing as a knight who is trying to cross this vast world to get to the castle and rescue the kingdom. It's pretty light. There's not much, actually there's not really any story to it. The game consists of a interesting gimmick where you have four paddles that actually fit on the edges of the game board box. And you drop this plastic, uh, what do you call it, like a mount in the middle of it. And it's got a cutout to, to it where you can drop different maps on top of it. And so what you're doing is you have this plastic knight with a ball bearing in the bottom of him. And you put him onto this board. And as you push these paddles down, it'll tilt the board and hopefully slide the knight in the opposite direction. And it actually has to follow that path a lot of the times they have on the tile. Some do. And that's actually part of what we were talking about is you can do like different paths. You also have ones where you can knock people into pits. They have a lot of different ways of doing it. And you can play it as a one shot. 
you could also play it as like a small like they come with like five different I could you could say like zones or areas or you could play as one huge long campaign. And we know you like those campaign games. <laughs> you bet I do. Even if there's not even a story behind it, just flying around on these maps over and over onto all these different kinds of terrain is really cool. Yeah, and speaking of the terrain, there's quite a bit in here. There are archways you might have to go through, boulders would block your way, different type of fences, dynamite, which you don't want to knock over or knock into holes. And like Baron said earlier, you have bad guys that you might have to defeat, including bosses. There's also a timer available if you go to Blue Orange app and download it which case you can play each of these maps with a certain time limit. And that time limit is not the same for each map. It does vary quite a bit depending on what the map goals are because the maps do vary in the different mission types. And the game does support solo play up to four players. As with four paddles, each player will be controlling one paddle. And as solo, you have to play all four paddles. <laughs> You got it. <laughs> oh, and, and Sim, like you were talking before with the whole box idea where you try to get the marble through the little maze, that's usually to do a, in solo because you usually have about two knobs. With these four, sometimes you get a little challenging. For sure. I think that kind of describes the game a bit. Let's just jump into our, our review. Sounds good to me. So our review, we do a top five list where we talk about the most five most important things you need to know about the game. Start with our number five and work our way to our number one. And along the way, we talk about if each of these points is a pro or con for us. So, Baron, would you like to start with your number five? Sure, I could. I'm more than happy to start with number five. Now, I will actually say that a lot of these, it's hard to go pro and con in this game because there's different ways that this game can be geared for different groups. So, it might be a pro for some and a con for others. And that goes with almost every one of these. So, for the first one, I have is like the art and just the concept behind it. It has a very like kid-friendly artistic nature where the knight is like this bright blue character that kind of that moves along and everything. And the bad guys are just these little like wooden cutout things, which work really well because, of course, they have to be manipulated in the game. And so the all the way that this art fits with the board is kind of cool. And like I said, there's a lighted path sometimes you have to follow, which is really it's really obvious. It's this white path that you have to follow. Otherwise, there's ones where it has like trees and things that you have in pits and you got to knock these guys into it. So I like the way that they designed this game where it's very simple. The art design is simple and it's bright and it's colorful. It's not like the normal, like dark, like dingy look of like a dungeon crawler or something like that. This is really kind of geared towards like the family style of game. So they kept it bright and shiny. And it, I think that's really good. It, it's a positive for me. Now, of course, this could be a con if you're a group looking for a dark dungeon crawler with like twists and turns around every corner, which you're not getting here in this game. Oh, I agree. I like the artwork quite a bit in this game as well. It was very whimsical and bright and just fun. And and I do want to point out something else. I had this kind of later on my list, but it's a good time to bring up now, in that the art actually tells the story, which is kind of cool. So the first five maps, you start on the coast, and you work away from like a ship that crashed, and you go to the beach, and you work away to the mountains eventually, and then the mountains take you to the castle grounds, and finally to the castle. And it kind of tells you stories. story as you're going between or through this whole world and maybe you're at a bar or inn battling some dudes and you go across like the drawbridge and it's just, it's very fun on how they approached it. It could have been really nothing there, but since they added these art and detail, it really adds to the experience. It does really make the game come alive and it does make you feel like you're playing this story of trying to get this knight through here to save the day. For sure. Well, that's my number five. What do you got for number five, Steve? My number five is a con, 
And this is one that my wife actually challenged me on, because she doesn't quite agree with it. But I'm going to list it as being too challenging of a game at times. <laughs> it's weird saying that, because this is like a light dexterity game. And granted, I'm, I'll am i be first to admit, I'm not the greatest at dexterity games. So, But regardless, I was playing this game with my five-year-old son. And he does fine. We can play together for the first, you know, five five missions to find. When you start approaching the mission ten, just halfway through him, he gets starts getting frustrated, and it just becomes too difficult for him. And he has to return to the the earlier missions, which are easier. And as you go all the way up to mission twenty, it gets very challenging for sure. So that's that's one part of the challenging aspect. But then for playing with adults, I would not play the normal way i would definitely play with the timer and with the timer if you play with the rules as written it's really challenging you have anywhere from like 30 40 seconds on some maps to upwards of six minutes on some of the more complex maps to complete it it sounds like a lot of time but with what you're trying to do it really isn't and you can't make mistakes because you start losing lives and you only have so many lives before you, you run out and if the timer runs out you lose a life and you according to the rules have to set up the whole map again and start over and that is pretty brutal to to do that i when i've been playing this game i can't make it past 10 level 10 on my own as an adult so <laughs> if that tells you anything about difficulty or maybe it tells you something about my ability in dexterity games so <laughs> <laughs> oh i actually kind of I, I i agree with you to an extent yes this game can be very challenging that timer is some of those maps are just ridiculous there's no way i i don't think there's any way to make it through but now i'm playing with a 10 year old a seven year old my wife and myself we played four players together we were playing through this game we like you said it was really tough past number 10 now of course I've my 10 year old thinks this is like so I can just put in like the cheat code and go straight to map number 20 and he wants to try it. I'm like, no, we got to get there, man. But it's it, it is a pretty challenging game. That's for sure. It's probably worth mentioning too the different ways you can play the game. I tend to like playing the grand quest. We start with level one. You make your way all the way to level 20 with how many lives you start with. But you can also play mini quests where you just play a world and it's what Baron mentioned earlier where you have just five maps and they're color coded so you can play just the coast maps just the mountain maps castle grounds or castle maps yeah i like to play the actual whole game itself too i i have i have yet made it through but that we like to play the whole game whole way through i don't feel so bad because neither have i <laughs> actually not even coming close either so <laughs> i do like to do a quick twist on the timer rules where when i'm playing with the timer I, when i reach that end of time i lose a life but I don't reset the board. I just continue going wherever I am. Because I feel like then it's feasible to do it and not like nearly impossible. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, Totally makes sense. Okay, Barrett, how's your number four? My number four is a pro and a con because it, that's just how I work. It's actually the fact that this is a co-op game. And that's my pro. It's a co-op game. Like we talked about it just a second ago. Solo, you got to use all four of those things. There's no way. I, I, unless you, I, I don't know, have some ability to manipulate all four of your hands at once and can use all four sides of your brain, which I know we only have two. There is no way I think I could ever get through this game solo. So it is really a co-op game. 
I don't think a solo player should be buying this game. So that's kind of the con of this. But the pro is it is a co-op game. We're all standing there and we're all like, okay, now it's your turn. I need you to bring up the board a little bit, Ridley. Okay, now Bennett, can you bring the board up? Okay, now, oh, wait, Robin, bring it down a little bit. Okay, now it's my turn. I got to bring it. So we're all working and talking together, trying to get this guy through. And we're all like, trying like, oh, we barely missed the pit. And so it's, it gets us all excited about this game. And that's where my pro comes in. It, it really exhilarating to play this game with your entire, with the four people, even if it's not your family, four people together, you can hear all this conversations going on about how to get this guy through these things. And it's just this little guy. You didn't think this little guy would make it that much fun, but it is. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. It's very much designed around cooperative play. It's so much fun with that. I played solo, and I still play solo. Honestly, I'll bring it out and try to play with four pals, and it works fine. You it's were able to do it? I couldn't do it. I couldn't even get past the first one. <laughs> it's not easy, because you do have to like let the board settle down before you grab the other paddle. And with that timer running, it's it's challenging, but it's doable. But it's just way more fun with people, honestly. So, Because, well, one, you have quicker reaction time, so that helps for sure. But you also have the lack of communication or the lack of inherent communication, right? Because my left and right hands are hopefully talking to each other through my brain. That doesn't always wind up being true in all cases. But... <laughs> But yeah, with the, the people at the table, I totally agree with you. Tons of communication going on. And in fact, when we're looking at the board, we often strategize before we start the timer or start playing because there's so many different ways of approaching these maps. Very true. So that's my number four. I bet you got a pretty good number four. My number four isn't as good as yours because it's a pretty quick quick thing to talk about because it is a pro and it's a setup and teardown because ah. it is lightning quick. <laughs> yes, it is. Honestly, if you if it's taking more than two minutes to get this game out, you're doing something wrong. So it is so simple. I popped, I open the board, open the box, drop the paddles on the side, put the big, I know, plastic base in the middle, find the map we want, plop that in the middle, and it's really nice because they have a guide to keep it secure and steady. You drop the the board pieces on there, and it's really nice. Um, speaking of user experience, really nice iconography to remember, help people remember where things go. And put the guy on, you're ready to go. It literally takes like a minute on average to get this thing going. And that's really kind of a big thing when you come to like a family game. I mean, a lot of the times, especially with my family, it's hard to like say, okay, we're going to play a game and then have to set up a game for like three or five, even three to five minutes. They're going to lose interest. They're off, off doing something else. So if you can get that game out fast, boom, and get everybody around it, it, you, it, it it's a bonus for my family at least. Exactly. I completely agree. And honestly, when you finish a level, you want to keep them engaged. And that downtime to switch maps, there's, I mean, like I said, it's like 30 seconds to a minute to switch a map. You're not going to lose them. It's going to be really, really fast. So, yeah, that's a big pro for me. For what this game is, it's really lightning quick to set up and tear down. How about your number three, Barrent? My number three, again, is a pro. And it's the fact that I feel this game, you can play it any way you want. And that's a pro. So if I'm going to play it with some really competitive people that want to do this for everything, you use the timer, you get all four people all strategizing and everything, and it, you try to do it like you're supposed to. If I'm playing with my family, though, I find I don't use the timer. You still have the lives and things like this and see how far you can get. And if you want to just enjoy the game and just see all the different maps without really being stressed by anything, you can ignore the life board. You can ignore everything and just play the game to see if you can make it through. Having the ability to kind of customize the way you play this game is really good. There's not like certain decks of cards that have to be used, not be used, things like this. It really is just that board. Like you said, the paddles moving this guy and you can really freeform and do it the way you want to. And I think that's a big pro, especially since you're gearing it from 
pretty much any age. I mean, like I said, my seven-year-old's playing it. Like you said, your son, five, is playing it. So it's be awesome that you have this freedom to be able to kind of create your own experience inside SlideQuest. For sure. And that, I think that extends to some of the missions, too, where you have to follow a path. The rules say that if you come off the path, then you have to return to where you came off and then continue from there. And it's kind of ambiguous on how you rule that. Like, what, what do you consider on the path or coming off the path or getting back on it? And so you can make that error of margin a lot larger for, for younger kids. And then when playing with adults, you're like, nope, got to be like really close to where you came off, guys. Let's, let's bring it back to this exact point. So for sure, I completely agree with what you're saying. Yeah, that, that path is uh, that, that rule is so ambiguous in my family. As long as you're anywhere near it, we're, we're okay. The, our rule is like <laughs> at least you have to go through like the, the arches and things. But if your guy goes flying off into a corner, but it's still kind of that general way we're supposed to be going, we kind of still go on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's my number three. Steve, what do you got? My number three is a pro, and that's bang for your buck. This game is $25 MSRP, and it comes with 20 missions. The artwork, as we mentioned earlier, is amazing. The components are plastic, really premium, like huge, chunky stuff. They even have like a board to keep track of your save game state, where you can have two dials, and like one dial keep track of the level you're at, and another keep track of your life. So if you move with this big campaign, it's not really, I mean, it's 20 missions, but you may not get through it in one sitting for whatever reason. You can actually just spin those dials, throw that thing in the box, and when you're ready to bring it back out, you know where you are. So just a lot of really nice touches. I I feel like that's true for other Blue or Orange games too because my other one in my collection, Where's Mr. Wolf, that is very much a kid's game, also has great components. So yeah, big recommend for the bang for your buck. I will be talking about that later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How about your number two, Barrett? Well, my number two has kind of been mentioned a little bit. It's I kind of call it the ease to get into. You've talked about setup and how fast it is. That's one of the things. The other thing is like even the rules themselves, it's two pages. I mean, boom, boom. Like but how much rules is there from slide this guy to that guy to that place? It's There can't be a ton of rules in it anyway. But just the ease of being able to get into it. Sometimes when we open a game for the first time want to play it, I have to be like, we can't play it right now. I got to learn the rules before we really get into it. This one, we flipped it open. Boom, we were playing it like right away. And so just the ease of being able to get into this game is a big plus, especially, again, gearing towards those families. For sure. Completely agree. I brought this home. My son wanted to open it, of course, because of the cool like artwork on the front of it. And I told him a little bit about it. So open it up, and he's already opening up the bags, looking at the cool pieces. And he went to play right away. I'm like, well, I haven't read the rules yet. So I looked at the rule sheet, you know, did a quick scan of it. And honestly, we could start playing. You don't have to. There's not much to it rules-wise. It's really easy to start. Very, very true. And I, I think that's a big, big plus for a game like this. So that's... It's number two. Steve, what about you? See, that rhymed. That's pretty good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> My number two is a pro, and that's Mission Variety. I honestly was expecting the replayability to be poor in this game because, like, I mean, well, how often can you play Mission 1, which is really easy? But I was actually surprised. I had fun playing the same map over and over again. I mean, it makes a big difference playing with different people, for sure. But even playing, like, solo, the first easiest map over and over again... It's still engaging. I think the big factor of that is that it doesn't take a lot of time to do it. You can run through it real fast, and if you're familiar with it, it's fine. But the other thing that's really nice is you tend to do like, groupings of missions at a time. So, for example, like the first two maps might be follow this path. 
And then the second map, I might change it up to be like, oh, okay, now you don't have a path to follow. Now you have to go beat up these baddies, drop them to these, these holes. Like, that's cool. Then after you do a couple of those, like, oh, now you have dynamite to worry about. And then after that, it might come, oh, wait, now you're back to a different path. Well, now this other twist. And so by the time you get used to a certain style of game, they, they change it on you in the campaign structure. And I thought that was a really smart design. Totally agree, Steve. This game has a lot to offer. Okay, Barrett, what's your number one? This might be an absolute surprise because I know you kind of already talked about it. And it actually encompasses a couple things. It was what you get for your money. It's not necessarily bang for your buck. Yeah, it's it's a really good price point for a game like this. I mean, especially when you're coming from somebody like me who buys epic dungeon crawlers that cost an arm and a leg just to even get a hold of. This game, out of nowhere, for the price you get, you get so many things. Like you said, five different sets of maps, which are five maps each. Or was it four or five different uh, scenarios, I should say, you could kind of say. Um, you also get different ways that each of these scenarios are played. You have pits. You've got those, like you said, some of the different ways of playing it. You get rid of the dynamite. You push people into pits. You All these different things. So you're always kind of doing a little bit different things, and doing that is just amazing. So for this price point, getting all this different variety inside the same game of moving it with the little white, the yellow flipper things is really good. And that's my number one. It's a pro. And almost every one of these pro now of course it could be a con some people might say well yeah it's not very much money but i'm actually i don't even think this can be a con i don't think there's any way i can spin this into a con because for the price of this game i don't see why you just don't go buy it right now just to play for fun oh for sure like it's 25 bucks for 20 missions i mean even if you played once that's not that bad so <laughs> totally agree now steve i gotta hear your number one because you've been on par the, the what you've been putting out is just true words uh-oh. Well, hopefully I don't disappoint you. My number one is a pro, and this one it was a surprise to me, and that is the fact that my son and I can play at 100%. And what I mean by that is oftentimes when I play games with him, I'm adjusting rules so he can play with me at certain games. Like, for example, I played Marvel Legendary with him recently, and I basically blanked the text boxes for him so he can just get used to the flow of a deck builder and how to do like basic math with, with the resources. Or I'll play a kid's game and, you know, well, this is pretty easy for an adult to play. So it, I have to adjust my how I play it just to make it somewhat fun for him. But for this game, I play 100% all the time and so does he. And I'm having fun and so is he. And that is really, really hard for, to find for me. And I think it has a lot to do with just the dexterity element and how even if he does kind of pour on the dexterity element, I can move my paddle in such a way to compensate for it. So it keeps me engaged no matter what. It makes him feel like he's actively doing stuff too. Even if it's being detrimental to what we're trying to do at the time. <laughs> like, stop wiggling the paddle. We're going to drop the dynamite and lose <laughs> a life. So, <laughs> But yeah, that's my biggest pro of this game. Just the fact that I don't have to hold back and can still have fun with what is designed to be a family game. Now, from what I understand in your ability to play dexterity games, I'm going to guess it's actually more your kid helping you out because you've done something. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> You're not wrong on that. It's pretty bad. <laughs> no, you hit it out of the park. That, that Out of the park, I should say. that That's a big number one. I, I that's, that's by far probably one of the greatest draws of this game is anybody can pick this up with any age and really have a good time with it. For sure. Let's jump into our final thoughts. Baron, how about you start? My final thoughts on this game. Well, of course, a lot of the things I've said, this game is co-op. You've said you could play it solo. Kudos to you, man. 
I can't get the four things to do what I want them to. But maybe I'm just that bad at dexterity games. Maybe I might rival your dexterity skills. Who knows? But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this game, I think, is really good for co-op. It's great for everybody. It's something that you don't see in a lot of games. You don't see a lot of games that can be played, like you said, on par throughout all the ages. I mean, any age could really play this with any age and enjoy the game. You really don't even have to scale it. You don't have to do much to make it that way, which is really good. So really, at the price point of this game, anybody can play this game and have a great time. Even if you don't have kids and you want to just bring out a fun game for people to try to move a knight around instead of a big dundercrawler for a night, why not? It's only, even for 25 bucks for one night, that's a fantastic experience. Now, I will say, these little yellow things that you have to push up and down to kind of control the board sometimes can get thrown off, and sometimes I feel they're not doing exactly what I want them to. But overall, they have done what I want them to. But sometimes they don't. Is that me? Probably. But sometimes I feel like, okay, I need you to put the board up. And they're, they're like, my thing is all the way up. I can't get any higher. And I'm like, oh, well, why do we, then we need to figure out what we need to drop a little bit. So, again, needing to communicate is good, but sometimes I feel those yellow things aren't doing what I think they should be. So, overall, I think... <laughs> Anybody can really pick this up and have a great time with it. Is it for everybody? Well, I said it was, but I think if you're really looking for a true game that has a lot of thickness to it, like you're looking for a story, you're looking for something like that, you're not going to get it. This is a a family game. This is truly a family game. Yeah, I'm going to agree with a lot of what you said here. I I started off by saying this game is phenomenal. Like, I honestly struggle trying to find negatives about this game for what it's trying to be. Like, yes, it's light. It's not going to be for everyone because not everyone's going to like that lightness. They might want some heavy meteor game. And it's not not going to be like the center of a game night for sure. It's going to be your appetizer for the night. I actually do recommend, like, if, if you have people come over to play a big game of Gloomhaven or whatever it happens to be or Kingdom of Death Monster and you wait for people to show up, pop this thing out, start playing the game. And when people show up, they can hop in at any time. And you can stop the game at basically any time because the maps take, what, a minute or there are a couple minutes to play, so it makes it real easy to like fill that gap, and there's a great filler for that. But like I said before, the biggest point is the fact that I can play with my five-year-old son, and we can play at our maximum skill levels and still enjoy the game. That is the biggest pro for this. And like I said, can't, I haven't encountered another game just like that. Now, there is a potential big negative that I didn't mention in my top five. But I didn't mention it because it's not a factor of the game itself, but more of the players around the table. So if you have a player who is very competitive or serious about the game, it could turn into some uh, quarterbacking or alpha player going on a little bit. That's not really the main problem, but the problem could be it could cause people to cast blame on others. Meaning like, oh, the guy just fell in the hole. Well, you should have been pushing your stick more or pushing your stick less. Hey, you should be doing this more or, or why are you pushing? Put your pedal down. Stop wiggling and stuff like that. You can start ha- having that blame game going on potentially. But like I said, that's not a factor of the game itself, but definitely maybe the group you have. So if your group may have a tendency towards that, uh, may want to avoid this one. Yeah, see, I kind of agree with you a little bit because I have a 10 and a 7-year-old who have a tendency to point blame when somebody falls in a hole. But we work really hard to try to quell that. But yes, I can. That that is something that has risen inside my family where... Bennett, why did that? Why did you put your paddle up? Now you went in the hole. Yeah, I've heard it a few times, but in the end, we've after we kind of get through a little bit of that, everybody's having fun and we're laughing every time the thing fell in the hole. Anyway, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, would I recommend this game to heavy gamers without kids? Nope, I I would not. <laughs> I would not either. I think you're right on par with that one. 
Would I recommend it to gamers looking for a fun light game? I actually would. And then obviously if you have families, absolutely I would recommend this game. I am really surprised with this. I think it's a ton of positive going for it. Really big fan of this. Agreed. And for a discussion topic, I think we kind of fun to talk about what makes a kid's game enjoyable for adults. So I've been thinking about this, and I think it basically comes down to skill balance. Meaning, as adults, we have obviously a lot more time to develop more skills than kids, like reading, for example. To make a game enjoyable for a kid and adult, you kind of want to have that skill level be the same. So obviously, if you choose a game with like lots of text, lots of reading on it, lots of planning turns in advance, depending on the age of the kid and how, how developed he is, he may or most likely will not be at the same level as an adult. And so that's where I keep coming back to slide quest, meaning that this fact that we're pushing levers cooperatively is not a skill that I have or my son has. So it makes it being that we're kind of at the same level and mind up being fun for both of us in that regard. No, I totally agree with you. There's, there's actually a few things I thought about when it came to this kind of topic. One, like you mentioned before, having the ability to work together and things like that at an equal level. Um, another thing I was thinking about when it came to this topic was some kid games, you have a tendency to know the end before it really happens. And being able to find a game where you can not really know how it's going to end, not technically based on luck, but just other things that factor into the game, which there are very few out there. We have a ten we bought a lot of games by a company called Peaceable Kingdoms. I don't know if you've ever heard of this company. They do a lot of children's games, but they're all cooperative. So they have games like Chicken Coop, which you're spinning a spinner and you're moving chickens. And if you can ever get to the point where you get all your chickens back, you win. But again, now you get the spinner that's never going to, is going to always be a random element. There's a game called Hoot Owl Who where you're trying to get these birds back to this nest. My favorite one they've done by far. Oh my gosh, this game's awesome. It's like it's like an advanced Candyland, which is amazing. You just flip over these cards, and these and whatever color you have is how you're going to move these birds. But you can choose to move which five birds to the different. And the more you can get into the nest, of course, you win. But you have this timer that you got to get through. So not knowing what you're going to draw and being able to see your children be able to pick out the right colors without your help is really cool to see. So having these elements of not knowing the end. Like if I'm playing games like, sorry, I know the end is we're all going to get to this one person get to the end based on a die roll. Yeah, not too not too big on that. Not to mention it's not a co cooperative game, so not too big of a fan on that. Of course, we have played some that aren't very good. And those, like there's this one about growing vegetables and it has to do with drawing cards and growing vegetables. And this game was just obnoxious. And so that one we really didn't want to go towards. So it is kind of hard to find that balance of what a kid can play and you can play and enjoy based on not knowing exactly how the outcome of the game is going to end based on what is in front of you. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. And that kind of ties into one of the other cooperative games I play from Blue Orange with my son. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but Where's Mr. Wolf? And this is a game I actually do recommend for kids. It's not, not something I would ever buy with adults, nor ever pull out with adults. But the basic premise is it's ultimately just a memory game. And the interesting thing about it is as you're flipping over these these farm animals trying to find matching sets, you are placing these animals into hen houses. And you have to keep track in your memory how many of each type have been in a hen house. Because at the end of the game, you have to have the exact number in that house. It could be like, hey, I need two chickens and a cow. And maybe you put two cows and two chickens and you forgot you had you know a fourth one in there. And that part is kind of exciting because my memory is 
obviously not as good as my sons at times in this game. So, <laughs> was like, do we have three or four, four of them in there? And he's like, Dad, we have four. Are you sure? I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> so, and as you're playing this game, there's a wolf that does move close and close every time you pick his tile. So, it's that part's pretty easy for an adult to keep track of. But like you're saying, that surprise of flipping over those four containers... I have trouble remembering it. Now, granted, there are times where I can remember it, so it's it's not a, always a hit for me, but yeah, I agree with your point. I think another thing that makes a game fun for adults and children is, again, you find a lot of children's games almost auto-wins. And if they can understand that there's loss, again, I'm going to go back to Hoot Owl Who. We don't win it all the time. We win it maybe even half the time. But just the thrill of actually getting that victory makes it a lot more fun for the entire family of kids and adults alike. Of course, would I bring Hoot Owl Who out to my gaming group? Absolutely not. This is We're talking family games here. But not being able to win all the time, I think, is also something that's really important when it comes to trying to find that great cooperative game with kids and adults. Speaking of that, I do find that the cooperative games with kids goes over pretty well with them because i know kids often struggle with the concept of like losing or handle ha- how to handle losing in a respectable manner sometimes kids get really upset about it and sort of like pouting around the house but with a cooperative one i've been noticing that really isn't as much of a problem because we are both losing together and he that tends to go for a lot better and it also is able to them to understand that what a loss is i mean because of course we don't play competitive games 10 7 they fight all the time. So if you're doing a competitive game and one wins and one loses, there's finger pointing, there's ha ha, I beat you. So again, we try to quell this kind of stuff. So moving more towards cooperative games, not all the time winning is allowing us to understand, hey, you know, oh, we all lost, that's too bad. And oh, you know, we'll get them next time kind of thing comes out, which really is a lot more fun to see than one kid stomping off to his room crying because the other one beat him and... <laughs> There's not much I could do about it because, well, that's just how the game went. So (laughs) I think that being able to lose together and understanding what loss is, is also important when it comes to family games. Oh, for sure. Though I will admit I do sometimes cheat with my son. So (laughs) meaning that I I was playing uh, Defenders of the Realm with him one one night and this was a simplified version of the game of course mm-hmm. and so he's picking up these dice and checking him trying to take out the big bad boss and he rolled the dice and my wife was standing next to me and i quickly noticed he was one dice short from it so i i may have slid his reroll token in front of him again even though he already spent it <laughs> so my wife <laughs> caught that like and just looked at me like yeah it's fine let's let it go it's fine but she understood what i was trying to do i wanted to make it exciting for him so i i felt like that was way more important than playing the rules correctly see that's what that's what family's for we always help each other win that's right (laughs) so So it is hard to find that balance between the way family games can go because there is such that big age gap but being able to find things in games that kids and adults both like once you find that that's a really rare game to find and slide quest of course hits this on the head right there bang 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 everybody loves it everybody's having fun we're all laughing when the guy falls in the pit so finding that family game that the entire family can laugh and cry about is really rare and it's really awesome i agree this one was a huge surprise for me and i I love it. I would go out and buy a set of map tiles if they came up with expansion and heartbeat. So, <laughs> okay, guys, thanks for listening to our podcast. I think we have one other quick announcement from Barrett, though. I do, actually. 
coming up, probably about when this thing airs, down in uh, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, if anybody's bored, I'm going to be at a game convention called GameyCon. And it's down there in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in the Marriott. If you're interested, it's going to go all weekend long. Please stop in and say hi. I'll be there. I don't know how many people, our listeners, are actually from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. But if they are, that's where I'll be. What is it? February 28th, or 28th I believe, is when I'm going to get down there. And I think it runs through that entire weekend. Man, if I still lived in Iowa, I would totally come down. Because I lived in Cedar Falls, Iowa, actually, which was just like 30 minutes north of that. Wow, you were pretty close. Yeah, for sure. Of course, I'm not from Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I'm from Minnesota, so it is a little bit of a trek, but I'm excited to go down and see some people I know there. I know Fallen Dominion's there, and they've made a game called uh, Fallen Lands post popcorn board game. They're, uh, they're down there. I'm excited to just hang out with them and play some games. Well, that sounds like fun. Cool. Well, thanks, Baron, for joining me on this podcast episode. Well, I was thrilled to be here, and I'm glad I... I'm, thanks to everybody who recommended this Slide Quest game. This game was awesome. I know it was in Slack, and people were talking about it, and I know you messaged it. You even reached out to me and said, man, you got to get this game. This game's awesome, and I'm really glad you did because this is an awesome game, and I'm glad I was able to come on and talk about it. Well, it's also a campaign game for families, so I'm like, well, I have to tell Barrett about this game. So. <laughs> very true, very true. It's hard to get these campaign games in front of my kids. right someday they will all play gloomhaven i don't know when but someday someday yes (laughs) well thanks parent and thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you at the next stop thanks for listening to another episode of the one stop co-op shop podcast please check out our youtube channel at one stop co-op shop If you want to reach out to us, the best place to talk to us all is on the Slack. See the show notes for details. Also, you can support us on Patreon. Check out patreon.com slash one stop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week with another Top 5 list. Welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop. Steve here with a returning guest. Uh, Not a returning guest. Well... I can be whatever you want me to be, Steve. Partner in crime. Partner in crime. Master of mayhem. Put mayhem and mischief together, you get Steve and me. There you go.